0: You are listening to episode 84 of the Mad Chatters Podcast, May 4th, 2016.
1: Most everyone's mad here.
0: there and welcome back to another episode of the mad chatters podcast your very important date with the happenings at walt disney world and around the disney universe my name is derek and as always i'm joined by my friends fellow chatters and fellow hosts matthew
2: hey howdy hey
0: and jeremy
2: i am big it's the podcast that got small
1: hmm
0: This week's show is going to be a little bit different from our normal shows. We don't have a main segment, per se, but we do have a lot of, or at least three, listener reports that some listeners have emailed us and that we want to read on today's show. And we're going to kind of break them up with a few of our favorite segments from episodes past, as well as a few other bits and pieces. So uh, look forward to that. But for now, we are going to start, like we always do, with a bit of Disney news. And first, guys, I want to go over... To Tokyo, where a while back they announced that a Frozen expansion was coming and a Beauty and the Beast expansion. Well, the Frozen wasn't mentioned, but they did talk a little bit more about Beauty and the Beast and Big Hero 6. Um, By 2020, there will be a Beauty and the Beast-based expansion, including an eight-minute trackless dark ride, similar to Pooh's Honey Hunt over there in Tokyo, and it will take guests inside the castle, and they will be riding in giant dancing dishes did you see concept art for this
2: i saw something about it and and now is this gonna be at seas or land
0: land land oh
2: okay huh yeah that's interesting
0: there will be a gaston's tavern as well so i think instead of be our guest being the main restaurant gaston's gaston's tavern will be a sit-down restaurant uh but a beauty of the beast dark ride who would have thought I feel like we've maybe mentioned that a few times. Like, why don't they have a ride for Beauty and the Beast? And then maybe we've even said, oh, it's not possible. But there's concept art, and it looks like the people in the giant dishes are going by the Be Our Guest scene, because Lumiere Lumiere is standing on a table, and there's a big, elegant scene going on.
2: You've been shrunk down to the size (laughs) of a dish.
0: Exactly.
2: In classic Disney form.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway, by 2020, that will be there. But then over at... Um, Tomorrowland, Baymax will be featured in a Big Hero 6 ride that looks very, very similar to Mater's Junkyard Jamboree, which is kind of sad because, like, they keep doing this. Like, I guess people at Disney love that attraction so much, or maybe it's really easy to build. I don't know. But...
2: I guess it's a people eater and kids like it.
0: Yeah, I guess so. But we've talked about a Big Hero 6, you know, Spider-Man type ride that would be kind of cool. Yeah. But they stuck with a flat ride instead.
2: So, what are you actually going to be riding in?
0: Uh, it looked like it was little Baymaxes pulling basically just like a little two wheeled wagon thing. <laughs> like that's what it looked like to me.
2: That sounds janky, but okay.
0: <laughs> a little bit. Um, huh. But over at Disney Sea, they are getting Soarin' finally. So, anyway, lots of changes to Tokyo, but it was definitely the Beauty and the Beast ride that I thought was most interesting. Um, but we get a little bit closer to Disney World by moving to Disneyland over in California. And the big news recently is that FastPass Plus seems to be making its way to the West Coast. Are you surprised? No. No.
2: And I'm secretly laughing because we have mentioned on this show, now we are, we are fans of Walt Disney World and we are fans of Disneyland, but there is sort of this pompous air to Disneyland fans that happen to think that they are better, especially... Better than Walt Disney World, mm-hmm. and so when they heard we were getting Fast Pass Plus, they all stuck their nose in the air and laughed at us and the system and how terrible it is. And da da da. So it is kind of fun to see them eat some crow and enjoy the system themselves
0: a little bit. But uh, it's definitely not as um, expansive as the Fast Pass Plus in Disney World is. The rumors right now—I mean, you, it's definitely coming because they've seen the little circles in the ground which kind of indicate that a post is coming, you know, like a check-in post where you scan something. Uh-huh. But it doesn't sound like they're getting magic bands yet. It sound, the rumor is that kind of Matt's idea, what Matt has said would be a good idea for Disney World, and I tend to agree, that it will be day of only. So you wake up in the morning and you book your first one, and then as soon as you use that one, you book the next one. So it's basically the old system, but it's all digital now.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's still it's just funny they'll get magic bands eventually i was gonna
0: say it's a place to start (laughs) but we'll see where they are in a year so anyway i just thought that was interesting because we we speculated about it a lot on the show and it does seem like it's happening um but the final pieces of news i have are for disney world first one is we lost something very special this week over at hollywood studios and that was the earful tower yes say your goodbyes been a park icon since the very beginning
2: I mean, I think we all kind of knew it was going to happen, eventually. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's honestly, out of all four parks, icon-wise, it's probably the least loved, at least in general, because
0: you can't even really go near it.
2: Exactly. And how many people have their picture in front of the Earful Tower? Yeah, that's zero, true. because it's impossible to get to. You know, to so. Um, really, the only people that are mourning this is probably fanboys. And so uh, I can't well, imagine your average park goer is is upset that the Earful Tower wasn't there this morning when they got there.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, I'm not a, a fan, you know, since my childhood days, but even I am a little sad to see it go. But yeah. you're right, it's not going to affect my day-to-day goings at Hollywood Studios.
2: Yeah, and, but the thing is, too, you can't even, like, get to it now. Like, yeah. there's not even an attraction that is get you remotely close to it so at least on the old Backlot tour you you drive by it you yeah. got a good view of it whatever um it was kind of just sitting back there you know wasting away these last couple of months yeah
0: that's true so well gone it is and another thing that's gone is this was interesting that i saw a picture of this what's gone is the orangish yellow dinosaur that marks the entrance to chester and hester's dino-rama
2: That was interesting. I don't know, you know, sometimes they make decisions, I guess, at Walt Disney Imagineering and whatever, or even maintenance. And you're just like, why? Like, why was that a priority to paint that dinosaur?
0: (laughs) Yeah, to be clear, the dinosaur is still there, but it's a very dark green now.
2: Yeah, it's kind of lost its whimsical charm that was there. The only thing I could
0: think was we've talked about the signage. On, like Discovery Island and over in Asia it always used to be really really bright colors and now it's a more subdued it's got earth tones
2: you know yeah yeah and that's
0: the only thing I could think but the whole idea of Chester and Hester is to be bright like they're not gonna paint primeval world brown and navy you know that would be ridiculous
2: I mean I guess I guess their thought to well I don't know can you see that dinosaur from like oh The Rivers of Light show. Yeah,
0: you definitely can. It's right there. So
2: maybe some having some earth tones there will help camouflage it from that perspective.
0: Maybe. Like maybe they're worried at night while they're trying to watch the show that bright yellow dinosaur would be a little distracting.
2: That's the only thing I can figure because it just doesn't make sense. Like I just can't imagine them of everything that's falling apart at Walt Disney World. I just can't see them going and we got to get that dinosaur painted. Come on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was so, I saw, no one even really talked about it on Twitter, but I saw that picture and I was like,
2: what? Why? Or maybe they're trying to like, prepare us for when Gertie leaves uh, Hollywood Uh. Studios and they'll be like, well, now you have a kind of a Gertie over here. No,
0: don't say it. I know, I don't want it
2: to happen. I take that back. Okay,
0: don't put that out there in the universe, gosh. universe, No. Um, well, the final piece of news I had was I just wanted to mention it because we've talked about the whole saga that is Disney After Hours and how this thing has turned into a mess. Thank goodness it's failing. So hopefully Disney won't keep skyrocketing ticket prices for these hard events. It looks like they are now available to annual pass holders and DVC members for 75 instead of 150 Half oh, wow. the price. Yeah. So they're really doing everything they can to sell these things. It's just not working out.
2: I feel like someone's job is on the line for Maybe. this, you know, they're like, we got to make a success because <laughs> I'm going to get fired and I just bought that new car. And, uh, <laughs> so.
1: It's possible.
2: Some VP of some park somewhere is, uh, is stressing.
0: <laughs> I love that at this point, like 20% of the people who've gone to it actually paid full price. And, you know, they're like, are you kidding me?
2: It just <laughs> yeah. stinks. For real.
0: Anyway. All right. Well, let's go ahead and kick off with the first listener trip report. Do you want to take away that one? jeremy
2: our first listener report for this episode comes from listener scott and scott sent us a long email uh and he just wanted to share some of the magical moments that he and his family have enjoyed and so uh in the interest of time and things we're going to just uh share some of the highlights from his letter so thank you scott he says dear chatters i have really enjoyed your podcast of course we want to Leave in all the compliments at the beginning. (laughs) I want to make that clear. Uh, It has become easily my favorite podcast, and every Wednesday morning at work, it is the first one I turn on, even though I'm backlogged on other podcasts. People at work have looked at me funny as I'm laughing out loud to the debates, the rants, the jokes, and the observations. My wife, two kids, and I have been to Walt Disney World twice once when our kids were four and five, and the second time when they were eight and nine. For my wife's birthday. I'm not going to say her age because that's rude, Uh, but he put it in there. Um, Both times have been truly magical, and it is the happiest place on earth. I could go on and on about all the amazing experiences we've had, uh, but it would crash your servers. So I just wanted to share a few neat experiences we've had. And he lists several, but like I said, we'll just highlight a few. Um, He says, when my kids met Buzz and the army soldiers, they yelled, here comes Andy, and the toys froze in place. They never fell down, which I thought was interesting and a great alternative to that thing that was floating around the internet that said they fall to the ground or whatever. Yeah, so
0: yeah. Myth busted.
2: Yeah, myth busted. I don't know if that's guaranteed every time. you know. I don't want to start another rumor that they do that, but mm. I think it's a great idea um, if they did. Yeah. This I thought was fun. They um, went when the Pal Mickeys were a big deal. Uh, and they purchased one. And uh, which they explain that.
0: Yeah, explain that to me. What is that?
2: The Pal Mickey's were. It was like a plush, and probably the normal size Mickey that they sell in the park, twelve inches or fourteen, whatever the size that is. Um, but it had some kind of a like GPS chip in it, and as you went to different parts of the park, it would tell you um, information about that part of the park. It would tell you ride times. So basically, it was kind of like the app. That you have on your phone before you had the app?
0: Huh. I've never so, heard of this.
2: Yeah, it was it was kind of a big deal. Um. Anyway, so he they purchased one of those and uh, they had some fun with that. He said they were on Tower of Terror and uh, he I guess he had some kind of a necklace thing that he wore pal Mickey pal Mickey around his neck and so Mickey was kind of flopping all over while they were on Tower of Terror and then as they passed by cast members they would say things like hiya boss to Mickey which I thought was kind of i uh, was you know? like eh, that's cute yeah um, and then uh, I just wanted to end on this one he says but by far my most magical memory would be When we did a character meet and greet with Belle and the Beast, it was mid-September and it was very hot. My daughter, uh, she was four at the time, and I were in France, in Epcot, and they were waiting in line to meet them. And the line wasn't very long, but just when it was about to be their turn, the Beast had to go into the back to cool off. Uh, He says, I totally understood why, but my daughter was devastated. She started to cry, and even though I tried to reassure her that they'd be right back, uh, it didn't help. As soon as Belle brought out a fresh beast, which I think is the highlight of this email for me, that he said fresh beast, (laughs) which is amazing, and I will only refer to uh, characters when they come back from break as fresh. (laughs) Um, As soon as they brought out the fresh beast, my daughter was so happy. Um, but the best part was it was the same Belle. And when they came out, Beast took my daughter's hand and they began to dance while Belle sang Beauty and the Beast. And he says that is what Disney magic is all about. And Scott, I totally, totally agree. That is the moments that, as Disney fans, I think... um keep us coming back in many ways it's that that little touch of like they went the extra mile i wasn't expecting that and it totally made my whole trip and so anyways he says again thank you all so much for a great show and that's from listener scott so scott thank you for the letter we appreciate you listening and uh we appreciate the compliments But you just can't, Nemo. I can't take it anymore. All right, that's it. Dishonor. Dishonor on your whole family. Blast this pen. Blast this wretched, wretched pen. (laughs) No thanks to you. I am the stock of the entire kingdom. I know it's a rock. Don't you
0: think I know a rock when I see a rock? I've spent
2: a lot of time... You are
1: a toy!
0: Eleven second
1: rants! When I want that wet dank pirate smell replaced by fruity cotton candy and tobacco and smoke or whatever the heck the other smells are in Pirates of the Caribbean Disney, I will let you know. Until then, let's keep the mold and the rust.
0: One of the meet-and-greets at Star Wars Launch Bay is with Kylo Ren. Literally, steps away is the special meet-and-greet for Visa card holders. Who's inside? Kylo freaking Ren. Seriously, how is that special? You couldn't bring out the Darth Vader costume we all know is in storage somewhere?
1: Magic Kingdom merchandise people, if you decide to close your merchandise location such as the Emporium at closing time on the dot, it's best to let people know so that if you have first-time visitors there who won't get to come back for a long time, their buying a mug is not spoiled by stinky cheerleaders there for an after-hours event.
2: Whoever decided not to call the Tangled Bathrooms I've Got a Stream really missed an opportunity.
0: Disney World is a crowded place.
1: Watch where you are going. I understand that safety during the parades and fireworks is a number one concern for Walt Disney World, but when you decide to ruin the entire new and magical hub with bright white country fairground stadium lighting for two hours of park time, it kind of ruins the whole magic.
0: Cheese sauce? Gone. Spicy chicken waffle sandwich? Gone. Sweet cream cheese pretzels? Gone. Disney, quit taking away small, inexpensive specialty foods that bring joy to millions of people. And don't you dare touch school bread. Real quick, I want to read an article that I thought was interesting from USA Today. It says, Exclusive Disney announces weddings inside the Magic Kingdom. Dun dun dun. Now we know there's a wedding chapel there in Disney World and you can pay a certain, I'm sure, extravagant amount of money to have your wedding there, but now it seems you can do it right in front of the castle. It says, Imagine this fantasy scenario. It's your wedding day and you ride up Main Street, USA in Cinderella's horse-drawn carriage accompanied by bewigged royal coachmen. A vintage jitney has already deposited your husband-to-be at the Magic Kingdom's hub. Trumpeters herald your arrival and your wedding guests stand. You make your way to the altar in the lush garden with the majestic Cinderella castle rising behind you. I'm sorry, did I see USA today? Because this feels like a Disney Parks blog post. But anyway, <laughs> it's not a fantasy, but it is fantasy land. Florida's Disney World has announced that couples can now plan their wedding ceremonies inside the Magic Kingdom at the park's new East Plaza Garden. That's not Fantasyland, that's the hub. But anyway, brides will be able to live out a fairytale dream like no other, says Corey McFan, marketing director. It is called, appropriately enough, Disney's Fairytale Weddings, as the world's most popular theme park with an estimated annual attendance approaching 20 million. The Magic Kingdom's central hub had been a congested hubbub. Dis- Disney recently expanded and reconfigured the area, blah, blah, blah. The East Plaza Garden will be available for 9.30 a.m. ceremonies. You know, the time most people get married, 9.30 a.m. <laughs> and con- can accommodate a good-sized destination wedding of up to 100 people. It will also be open to regular customers at that time. So that's a little less than magical with children running around screaming. But McFan says that couples have been clamoring to get closer to the iconic castle and hold their weddings in the theme park. One of its most popular ceremony locations is its wedding pavilion. It offers a prime, if distant, view of Cinderella Castle. But now these package collections start at $2,500 and custom experiences begin at $12,000. Premier locations such as the Magic Kingdom, like I mentioned earlier, with a completely customized ceremony and reception for 100 guests for your 9.30 a.m. wedding, start at (laughs) $75,000. For more pricing and options, visit DisneyWeddings.com. I don't know all of our listeners, but I'm going to guess they're not all going to that website right now to book their 75 grand wedding.
2: Which is also going to be the new pricing for the next time they open the Magic Kingdom for three hours after the (laughs) park. So, take your pick.
0: $75,000. But there you go. If you do have that money, and you've always dreamed of getting married right in front of Cinderella Castle, that's all you need.
2: I just don't see... It's one of those things that when I saw it announced, I was like, Oh yeah, Disney should have been doing this a long time ago. But then the more you think about it, you're like, no, because it's just not feasible. Because if you open a theme park at nine o'clock, how are you gonna have weddings? And most people are not gonna want sweaty tourists, you know, surrounding their uh, their wedding photos. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you're right; it does lose some magic there. Now, for seventy grand, seventy-five thousand, I want the whole park to myself I know. for an hour, and I want the ceremony on the castle stage, and I want the fireworks. And then I want my wedding pictures in all the different lands in fun poses. That's what I want for seventy five thousand dollars. But um, <laughs>
0: and you want Betty White to officiate? <laughs>
2: exactly. Yes, I want Bob Iger there himself in, yeah. in attendance. So um, I don't know. I do. This is one of those things. I'm sure that if they sell one a year, it's worth it because that's a lot of money. But I don't see a lot of people doing this. Mm-mm. So now, you know what you do see, and you've you, they kind of, I don't know, they've I don't think you're supposed to do this, but I have seen, like, pop-up weddings all of a sudden in front of the the castle, you know, oh. where, like, you bring your minister in, and you bring your party, and you guys just walk in, and then they do a quick little ceremony right there in front of the castle before it gets broken up by cast members or whatever, so.
0: Talk about magical.
2: You know, that's a lot cheaper. You just figure the price of admission for that day.
0: The price you know, of so. bail.
2: <laughs> I don't think you get arrested, but I think, you know, it's frowned upon.
0: Yeah, so. very interesting. But nope, you got to cough up 75 grand if you want this one.
1: Mm.
0: I'm going to go ahead and read our second email of the show. And this is from listener. Kevin and I kind of want to preface this by saying Kevin and his wife Danielle were two listeners that I had the pleasure of meeting when I was in Walt Disney World. I, I kind of have to explain this a little bit because he talks about it in his message. He tweeted this several times when he found out I was there and said things like, Whoa, well, I'm here too," or, "You know, what are you doing later this week?" And uh, on our on his very last day of the trip, I was walking through World Showcase when they both caught me and I and I heard him kind of saying, "Oh, there he is," and that's when it clicked that this is. Kevin and his wife, and so I was able to meet them. Lovely people, lovely family, beautiful children, and uh, it, w- it was a pleasure meeting them. And he talked about the fact that he ran the Star Wars marathon, the inaugural Star Wars half marathon, which was the weekend before. And so I asked him if he would write a report about it. And so this is the letter Kevin sent us. It says, "Hey guys, ah, uh, where to start? Well, I suppose I, su- I should start by apologizing for misspelling Derek's name in a few tweets." Apology accepted. Then I'll follow that up with a general apology for all the tweets to the Mad Chatters. I promised you we weren't trying to be in the same park as you several of the days we were there, but rest assured we are now thousands of miles apart, so you are safe. (laughs) (laughs) Whew, I'll breathe a sigh of relief. No, no, it was wonderful meeting you. He says, in any case, on with the race weekend recap. Not sure if you've done a run Disney event yet. I myself have participated in a few events at this point, including the 2003 and 2010 Disney World Marathon, the 2013 Goofy Challenge, and the 2014 Marathon and Disneyland Dumbo Challenge. And now, the Star Wars Half Marathon, The Dark Side. Run Disney in general is a lot like Disney World itself. There will be people that will come away with stars in their eyes and say it was the most magical thing ever. And then there will be people that say it was the worst running experience of their lives. I would fall somewhere in between. The run itself was fine, but one of the big problems that run Disney events face is choke points along the course where it's too narrow for the hordes of runners. They try to space out the runners by starting people in waves about every 5 to 10 minutes, but it still happens that in various points on the course it'll be too narrow and you won't be able to run as fast as you may like. Thankfully, I was in one of the early corrals and didn't find this to be the case, but in my first few marathons, I started in the last corral, and it was painful to try and run my own pace while having to weave around all the people. The fact is, the races really are too crowded, but they routinely sell out, so it's not like Disney has much of an incentive to cut the numbers down. The problem with this race was that it started at one spot and ended at another. Only one other race uses this model, the wine and dine half. All others, to my knowledge, start and end at Epcot. The reason for this is the space available in the EPCOT parking lot, there is space to stage everyone. Having a point-to-point race, though, brings that added, brings about added logistics of getting spectator, spe- spectators from the start to the finish or runners from the finish back to EPCOT to get their cars. So fast forward to Saturday morning when they held a 10K race from EPCOT to the wide world of sports. My wife's uncle was running in the race, so I went along to cheer him on. After we parted ways at the starting line, I hopped on a bus bound for World of Sports, only to end up at the All-Star Resorts? We all figured the driver knew something we didn't, but at the end of the road, he ended up making a U-turn and admitted he was following another bus that also went the wrong way. (laughs) Dope. Road closures are common with Run Disney events, but for the bus drivers to not know the routes is not good. After a few additional wrong turns and a quick visit to I-4, some of the frontmost passengers busted out their phone maps and guided the driver back to where he needed to be. Thankfully, we didn't miss the finish, and the four-mile trip only ended up taking about 40 minutes. Fun.
2: (laughs) 40 minutes? 40 minutes. Wow.
0: So that's the end, right? Wrong. After the race was over, my wife's uncle and I got in line to take a bus back to Epcot. I should have known there were issues when our driver took a long time talking to the person loading the buses, but eventually we were on our way. I'll spare you the turn by turn, but suffice it to say we ended up circling Epcot two times, and I got to witness firsthand what an angry mob looks like, as there were several people yelling at the bus driver. (laughs) You had to feel bad for her, but at the same time wonder why in the heck she hadn't been given explicit directions. Once again, a four-mile ride clocked in close to an hour. Oh my wow. gosh. Horrible.
2: You're a runner. You should just got out and ran it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Thankfully, that was my last bad experience on the buses that weekend, but I did read that some people on the monorail loop didn't get picked up on time for the half-marathon. Saturday afternoon, we went back to the world of sports for my four-year-old son to run in his first event, a 200-meter run, and I'll freely admit this is more for the parents than the kids. (laughs) They try to keep things moving along, but in reality, between the bus ride and the walk to the track and the wait for him to start, it took a long time just to have him run a half a lap around the track. All that said, though, his sheer surprise and joy at getting his very own medal was pretty satisfying. Saturday morning, the half-marathon race itself was a good one. The weather was perfect. They had several character scenes set up with various Star Wars characters. One thing I thought was odd was the lack of any Disney characters dressed up in Star Wars costumes, like you would see at a Star Wars weekend event. Not sure why that was, but I generally run past the character meetings anyway. Well, that's sad.
2: Yeah, I've noticed that since since they kind of ended Star Wars weekends they've kind of gotten rid of the characters dressed in Star Wars, and they've got, like, when they got rid of the Star Wars, um, what do they call it, hoopla, um, hyperspace hoopla, or whatever yes, that was. Yes, 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 yes. And it's almost like they're trying to all of a sudden walk back some of that stuff to bring back the integrity to the mm. Star Wars characters, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah,
0: but I think people so, liked
2: that. I did too, which is surprising me, but mm. I noticed that Disney kind of started doing that After they announced episode seven, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's just my perspective. I don't know why they're doing it, but that seems to be what they're doing.
0: Well, I talked to uh, Mark Willard a lot or a little bit while I was in Florida and because he's a big runner. Um, He was on our show about photography a while back, like 49 or something like that. Um, And he was really disappointed in the Star Wars half marathon because of the lack of characters. He's like the whole point of paying all the money for a Disney marathon, is people want to be entertained along the way because they always have characters and meet and greets and, like, characters cheering you on and all sorts of things. And he says there was, like, a seven-mile stretch with nothing. Wow. And so it it seems like Kevin kind of got the same indication because Mark told me, he was like, if they do that again, I won't do it again. Um, He said he was really disappointed by it.
2: Yeah, there's no reason why Chewbacca and, you know, Darth Vader and... Kylo ren aren't out there you know it's yeah, star wars
0: What exactly
2: about there? exactly r2d2
0: anyway he goes on to say all in all i had a fine experience would i do that race again probably not if i could if it continued to be a point-to-point race i'm not a big oh i am a big star wars fan but there's only so much star wars stuff you can place among a 13 mile course obviously disney thought so too Uh, Probably the most fun part about any Disney race is seeing the costumes people dream up and wear. Plenty of standards in this one, Luke, Leia, Han, Ewoks, but a few pretty funny ones, too, like George Lucas and a hammerhead. And even a few people wearing Star Trek uniforms, which made me laugh, even if they were trolling.
2: (laughs) That is awesome.
0: (laughs) He says, would I recommend run Disney events to people? Absolutely, but with caveats. If you were trying to set a personal best... I would probably not recommend it unless you know you'll be starting in one of the first corrals. The further back you start, the more people you'll be dealing with on the course. But the vibe is very upbeat in every race I've run, and it's tough not to smile a lot while running. A lot of the volunteers do a great job of cheering people on, and there are always some clever signs along the way. Run Disney events sell out quickly nowadays, so you pretty much have to decide seven months in advance if you intend to participate. In any case, that was my Run Disney experience in summary and again, it was nice to meet Derek at Epcot. Hope you had a great trip. Thanks to you all for the podcast, and keep up the good work. Sincerely, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. We appreciate that report. Run Disney is still something I'm interested in doing, and uh, you've given me a lot to chew on. And it was meeting, or it was nice meeting your family.
2: And the restraining order is in the mail. Please maintain 500 feet from now on. <laughs>
0: Thank you, super diligent bag checker at Hollywood Studios for taking every single item out of my backpack during your search. I feel safer knowing that if Germex bottles and earbuds are really weapons in disguise, they won't get past you.
1: Dear Suddy Eclipse and the Space Angels, Thank you for your many years of devoted entertainment at Cosmic Gray Starlight Cafe. I love that you are at once a lovable icon of Tomorrowland, and yet also reminiscent of an out-of-work, overweight former crime boss who might at any minute snap into an angry rage and shoot up the restaurant. You keep me entertained and also on my toes. And for that, I am thankful.
0: Thank you, Astro Orbiter, for going all the way with your Close Encounters theming. A new friendship isn't truly sealed until the two of you straddle each other in a tiny jet and then wrap a single seatbelt around both
1: of you. Dear New Mango Bar, thank you for your subtle, creamy goodness. I went into it unassuming and cautiously optimistic, but you proved to be a refreshing, slightly exotic treat that simply hit the spot. Are you Mexican? Are you Indian? I don't know, but you're an equal opportunity treat. Also, you taste just like a peach milkshake from Hardee's. That's a good thing.
0: Thank you, Disney World, for the efforts you take to protect our environment. I'm thankful for your green ways and your determination to protect Earth's wildlife. I can truly say, though, that more than anything, I'm thankful you still have paper towel dispensers in all of your bathrooms.
1: Dear Disney security team, Thanks for making my trip through the metal detector seem like I had been chosen at random to win a special surprise. Just when you thought the year of a million dreams promotion had ended, you revived the magic.
2: Another uh, exciting article that popped up in the Twitterverse this past week, this one I'm reading from Time Magazine. This is such a big deal that Time Magazine, who announced uh, World War II to the American public, D-Day, I'm surprised this didn't make the cover, headline, Disney Channel is airing a marathon of all your favorite original movies.
0: I thought of you as soon as I saw this headline. (laughs)
2: Literally, the first line in the article is, 90s kids rejoice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) 90s kids with cable, I haven't seen any of these.
2: It says, to celebrate its 100th original movie, Adventures in Babysitting, which sounds awful, Disney Channel has announced that it will be airing a four-day marathon of its past original flicks. The special event will take place over Memorial Day weekend, beginning at 10 a.m., uh, Eastern Time on Friday, May 27th and ending on Monday, May 30th and it will feature 51 movies from the network's vault. So they're going to be playing not every movie which would be amazing as well. Go away, add. Okay, um, But they're going to be playing lots of the favorites from cult classics like Smart House. Derek, you never saw Smart I've House? I've
0: never heard of Smart House.
2: Halloween Town? I've heard of it. Halloween Town 2? Also heard of it. (laughs) Halloween Town 3.
0: Oh, I know. (laughs) I
2: literally think there was four of them. I'm not sure. Um, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century.
0: That's the one Aaron brought up on our show. Aaron
2: brought up, yes. Um, To the more uh, popular ones like High School Musical and Cheetah Girls. So it says basically the weekend will have something for everyone who grew up watching Disney Channel original movies. Um, I'm really sad they're not going to play my favorite disney channel original movie which is under wraps that's right it's so good but they are going to play um alley cats strike which is amazing and they're going to play um uh the brink or brink whatever that one was about the roller skating kids anyways basically i'm pumped i'm already clearing off my dvr because i'm going to be recording if not all of them close to it
0: i'm smiling and nodding my head a lot i have no idea the words you're saying <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> <laughs> brink, yes. I know where the brink is.
2: You might as well be speaking a foreign language.
0: I know. Um, as our resident fan of Disney Channel movies, I feel like we need to have an episode before Memorial Day weekend where you list the must-sees so I can set my DVR.
2: Absolutely. Remind me, and I totally okay. will. Okay. Um, because I, I will be going through, when we get closer, I really will be going through and setting the DVR for lots of them because mm. I, they're, I know it's so weird, but I get these nostalgic... Just t- from time to time, as I'm sure everyone does, yeah. maybe. But like, I look online for these movies, and you can't really find them. I know.
0: So, see, um, when when I was when it was the '90s for me. <laughs> that didn't make sense because it was the 90s for everyone at the same time but (laughs) my 90s consisted of abc and in the late 90s they kind of relaunched wonderful world of disney with original movies i'm thinking tower of terror with steve gutenberg there was one called toothless with kirstie alley Yes, these were movies i really were any of those like disney channel movies that moved to abc or no? no
2: that was a separate entity now they would replay those movies on disney channel yeah but they were not considered Disney Channel original films.
0: Well, that's sad, because you know what movie I would love to see again, and I don't think I'm ever going to, was Summertime Switch with Sean from Boy Meets World.
2: Oh my gosh, I totally remember this. Yes, yeah.
0: he was like a rich kid. Yes! And then there was the kid from off the streets, and they went to the wrong camp and got mixed up or something. Yes,
2: uh, wow.
0: Yeah, but I will never see that movie again for as long as I live.
2: or Strong. That's his name.
0: Yes. Very good. Yeah.
2: Um, Do you remember? Now, these are not Disney Channel original films, but I think they, I know the one played on Disney Channel a lot, and then the other one was A Wonderful World of Disney. Do you remember Super Fudge on Wonderful World of Disney? Okay. I loved that book in elementary school. I was going to say,
0: I remember the book, but no. Yeah. And
2: they made it into, it was one of those Sunday night, Wonderful World of Disney, whatever. And I would love to see that again, and I haven't found it since. And then the other one was this movie called Susie Q. Did you ever watch that? No. It had the girl who played the pink Power Ranger in the original Power Rangers, and she, like, dies in the 1950s in a car accident, but she comes back as kind of like a ghost in, like, modern times and, like, has to help a teenage boy with something. I don't remember all the plot details so good and I if you own that movie in some capacity write to us and I, and I will pay you money for a copy of it I, that I would to watch it again that bad um, but it was so good and then here's another thing I'm going to put this out here because um, I remember this is back before I'm talking before or Disney Channel original movies at least as we currently know them I remember as a child one night on the Disney Channel They played Heavyweights, the movie. And I only remember this because Michael Eisner did a little introduction before the movie. And he's like in like a camp bunk house or something. And then they showed Heavyweights. And then after that, there was another movie that came on that was like an older movie. It looked like it was made maybe in the the 80s or the 70s or whatever. And it was about this black lady who starts a school for special needs children in her attic and about the struggles of that and blah, blah, blah. If you know anything about this movie, I am dying to find out what this movie is because as 9, 10-year-old Jeremy watching this, uh, it had a profound impact on me. Yeah. And I would love to see it again. And I have written to Dave Smith, the um, uh, you know Disney archivist. I have looked up everything available online and I cannot find... Anything about this film, I kind of feel like I made it up in my you head. You fell
0: asleep point. after Heavyweight <laughs> and dreamed about the special needs school.
2: Um, but anyways, I it, it's just uh, Disney Channel in the 90s. Up until they started the ZOOG Disney mm-hmm. was amazing. Mm. Just absolutely stunningly amazing. And and even though all these Disney Channel original films kind of came after that ZOOG, that was the only like saving grace for it. Because then you started to get some really terrible programming, and they got away from the more traditional Disney programming. I- Adventures in Wonderland, Dumbo Circus, New Adventures in Winnie the Pooh, Welcome to Poop Corner. I could go on and on. Okay.
0: Well, <laughs> we won't. won't. But folks, if you don't have plans for Memorial Day weekend, now you do.
2: <laughs> yeah, you do.
1: Our next letter comes from Lisa, who writes about her Disneyland trip. Lisa says, So I've wanted to do a trip report on my family's trip to Disneyland last fall for some time now, but just haven't seemed to get around to it. It's hard to put such events that are so filled with feelings and emotion into words. Amen. But here goes. I went to Disneyland for the first time when I was 12. During my college years, I lived in the L.A. area, so it was a frequent stop. My last visit was probably in 1989. We then moved to Nashville and started a family. We didn't take our boys to the world until 2008. That was almost uh, almost a 20-year drought. We've been back almost every year since. As a family, we love Disney. That's all caps, by the way. That being said, I could not wait to take them to Disneyland, and I personally couldn't wait to go back and compare since the gap between them had been so great. There are many things in Disney World that never seemed quite right, and I needed to know once and for all if it was my memory playing tricks or what the differences really were. First off, walking down Main Street was thrilling. It was like a return to my childhood. But the thrill ended there. The, ca- <laughs> the castle is so tiny. I knew <laughs> it was going to be small, but I just couldn't get over it. I guess I'm just so used to being the grandeur of the Walt Disney World castle. I'll be honest. I missed my castle in the world. I did love the Sleeping Beauty walkthrough and the wishing well. Definitely, that brought back memories. Hitting Fantasyland first, I couldn't wait for the boys to ride Alice, Mister Toad, and the canal boats—all favorite, all favorites uh, that the world doesn't have. Mister Toad didn't disappoint, and neither did Alice with all of her fabulous updates. But oh, canal boats! What happened? Ah. Hmm. Yeah, I know that y'all love the canal boats. We and- do. Let's see what she says. Okay. Let's read further. (laughs) My my memories of the gorgeous dollhouse sets that you just wanted to crawl into were covered in cobwebs. Seriously, no one could take the time to wipe those away. Completely ruined the atmosphere. And I think a few cobwebs even crept into the brain of our guide. She couldn't have been duller. (laughs) What a disappointment. But then there was It's a Small World. Oh, where have you been? Sweet memories. Disney World sure got snubbed on this one. What a grand front. Yeah. And that clock tower. The marching dolls on every quarter hour, the flood of nostalgia as we walked. I'm sorry, that's not a list. <laughs> the, mar- the marching dolls on every quarter hour are wonderful. The flood of nostalgia as we approached was overwhelming. There it was. But alas, my boys still refused to ride it. Oh well, I enjoyed it with the hubs. I didn't even mind the addition of the Disney characters. They were fun to look for.
2: You all we're like sure. the characters? I thought you would. Not I like didn't that.
1: like the characters at all.
2: I, I didn't mind them. I thought some were forced, but, you know, we talked about that. How, like, what is it, Ariel? That looks really. Yeah, forced.
0: Flounder is straight up pulled from the Little Mermaid Dark Ride. <laughs> like, it, there's nothing small world
1: about him,
2: nothing Mary Blair about him.
1: Right, right. Where did they put Ariel and Flounder in, in the country section? Kind of on their own little wall, just yeah. kind of like an under the sea wall.
2: It's, it's in really? like a Our transition. country is the ocean.
1: <laughs> it's like a
2: transition point, you know? Yeah. yeah.
1: Really- All right. Other thoughts concerning rides. We, we rode the Matterhorn once, and once was enough. Too rough. It reminded mm. me of Disney World's Space Mountain. Speaking of, now that's the Space Mountain I remember from my childhood. Smooth and thrilling. Not leaving you in need of a chiropractor. Hmm... Yeah, we just talked about this last week. We were. I'll agree with smooth,
0: but if you're going to call something thrilling, I would definitely say the Disney World one is more thrilling. Mm. But hey, to each his own. This is why I love the Disney parks, because people can disagree and still love the same things.
2: Agree to disagree. Mm. I love the, um, I do love the ride vehicles at Disneyland, but there's no like, woo, up and down, you know? It's just like a big slide. It's
0: exactly yeah. what it is. Yes. It's like
1: my daughter, Anna, on a swing. That's what she does the whole time. So she knows the word we. So every yeah. time she swings, she's like, wee <laughs> we. Yeah. Down to the very last swing when she's yep. done. She's, wee
0: Until the end when the flash goes off and everyone says, and then,
2: oh, oh my gosh. gosh. And when I you're in the frightened. second car and you get the second flash, a half a second it. later, so your picture is all like, you look like you're in the middle of a seizure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, we move on with the letter at hand. My all-time favorite ride is the Haunted Mansion. It, I was really looking forward to the Halloween overlay, but I didn't like it at all. Personally, I thought it ruined the ride. Ooh. To each his own. She says that, so there you go. Hey. That being said, it was fun to try to find the similarities and differences between Disneyland and Walt Disney World. For instance, I loved the placement of the bus in the library in WDW. The land just has them in the hallway at the beginning of the ride. And speaking of comparing, holy cow, Disney World got gypped on pirates. Mm. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's
2: stop. Let's just stop there Mm. for a second. Let's talk. Now, Derek, you are friends with Lisa. Yes, this
0: is my friend Lisa. She has three teenage boys.
2: Okay, so she is older. Than we are. Than we are. So she did not grow up with... Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas would not be something... That she would—that hmm. would be a part of her childhood. Uh, Interesting. So what I'm saying is, it would be as if they overlaid the mansion with some
0: Miley Cyrus.
2: <laughs> well, let's be a little more realistic, but something current. Sophia
0: the First.
2: Sophia the First. Okay, Matt's a fan, clearly, but uh, <laughs> you know what I I'm saying. So I feel yes, like yes. I feel like she went into it, and and there was not going to be anything she would like about it because she has no love for nightmare. So
0: it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. But then there are people who do like nightmare and just don't like that overlay. So who's to say,
2: and I'll grant you the pirates.
1: I mean, I could listen, I'll, I'll suffer through a longer pirates any day. And I suffer in italics there because obviously it's not suffering. Um, I'll, I'll, I'd love a longer pirates. I think you trade out things. Uh, obviously, if I remember correctly, we have a, and I say we, Walt Disney world has a much better queue um, and oh, one have thing, a Q,
2: period. Right, yes. <laughs> right. One
1: thing I love about ours, and and this did not so much come into play until the changes in 2006 with the you know the Davy Jones thing and the cave and the new music and Captain Jack Sparrow and all. One thing I love about the Walt Disney World version that you know I haven't ridden the Disneyland version since then, but just watched videos is that as soon as you go down the waterfall here at Walt Disney World that music kicks up you know the black pearl theme and it's like that you get that you get the reveal at disneyland too but i mean immediately after the flume it's like dun 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 dun, dun, dun and the cannons are firing and you hear barbosa's voice and i think that's that's probably much better but hey but I'll, those I'll, cave scenes. oh! I'll take a longer scenes. cave scene any day. Absolutely. Yeah. See,
0: this is why I love this email. One of my favorite topics is people who are used to Disneyland, who are going to Disney World for the first time, or vice versa. Like, I love getting that fresh perspective. Like, as soon as they come back, hearing... Mm-hmm. what did you notice the most what yeah. stood out the most you know But you
2: know what's funny to me our first Disneyland trip I felt like a stranger in a foreign land like mm-hmm. it was kind of familiar to me but it was still like so different but then that second Disneyland trip it was like This is home, too. Like, it just felt so natural.
0: Exactly. I was telling Matt this past week when I went to Disney World, now that I've been to Disneyland so often since I went to Disney World, I kind of agree with what Lisa said at the beginning about something wasn't right at Disney World. Liberty Square totally threw me off. Every time I walked into Liberty Square, I'm like, where am I?
1: (laughs) It, like, messes
0: up the whole layout of that park.
1: (laughs) <laughs> he had to stop several times and just put his hands out. And just...
0: <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I did. she just this? started
1: yelling, I need an adult. I need yes. an adult. Help. Like uh, Leslie Nope in the episode where she gets the flu. That's great. <laughs> Why are the walls moving? Yes, that's a great one. <laughs> um, I got Anyway uh on Pirates, Disneyland is so much better, which is what she says. Uh, the setup and the ambiance are key. Going through the bayou, passing the fireflies, seeing the old man rocking on the porch, and then swoosh into another world. Now, that's the Pirates of remem- I remember. Oh, and of course, Indy was fabulous, which uh, you know I wish we had that as well. Mm-hmm. And then there was Disney California Adventure. As a family, we loved this park. I will say that Hollywood Studios is probably our favorite in Walt Disney World, and California Adventure has a very similar tone. I just love the old Hollywood feel. Carthay Circle is beautiful. As a family, we spent hours in Animation Academy, which is now closed in Walt Disney World. So we immediately headed that direction, and we're excited to see that they actually post the characters and the times so that we could plan accordingly. That, that would have been nice, because I didn't want to draw that. Million that we had to draw that's my math <laughs> note here
0: yeah they said pascal we all said Him. who what, <laughs> what? Yeah.
1: oh yeah okay and it was terrible um lisa says love the monsters inc dark ride i actually was surprised by how cute it was and then of course aladdin was amazing so funny so oh, sad that it is now gone my boys loved california screaming the youngest probably wrote it 20 times wow. really Mm, That's a lot. And then there was Cars Land. Wow. Total immersion is an understatement. My husband couldn't stop talking about... Oh, no. My husband couldn't stop taking pictures of the rock work and the landscaping. It was all so real. Disney sure does things right. As far as food goes, Disneyland has many more options, and my boys really felt the quality was much better. I was just happy to get my long-lost Monte Cristo in New Orleans Square. Oh, and then there was the caramel apple funnel cake. Warm apple pie filling gooiness poured over a fresh funnel cake drizzled in hot caramel. Or mm. caramel. My only regret is that I didn't get a picture. It was huge and I couldn't even finish it. Every person I passed had to stop and stare and at least half asked what it was and where I got it. And I'll close with a very Disney story. My middle son brought a very, bought a very cool ball cap at top dollar, and immediately tossed the tags, donned the cap, rode Splash Mountain, and lost the cap on the drop, as I'm sure so many have done before him. He inquired at the ride at the end of the day, and again at Lost and Found each morning the following two days. They took a detailed description, telling him that if it showed up, they would contact him. He was sad. I was sad. By the third uh, check-in, I had really given up. And, sorry. (laughs) The third chicken? Chicken. (laughs) By the third, yes. By the third check-in, I had really given up. And then on the fourth day, there it was with the tag still on. Huh? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I do they replace it?
0: I guess so, yeah. They just gave her a new one. That's nice. Yeah. Or they reattached the tag. Yeah. <laughs> you pick.
1: Now, that was downright Disney of them. And then, to our surprise, his lost hat arrived in the mail after we returned to Nashville. I'm quite certain that after he showed up at Lost and Found three plus times with a sad and pitiful face, they pulled one off the shelf and gave it to him. And then the actual lost hat was found, and they mailed it to the house. Way to go, Disney. I've given you enough money. It's the least you could do. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Hence why we love you so, which is a little smiley face so which is better Disneyland or Disney World well the land is definitely my first love there's nothing like walking there Mm -mm. there's nothing (laughs) there's nothing like walking where Walt walked and feeling the magic there Yeah, that would be it for me Mm -hmm. but the world takes everything about the land and pluses it I love the thoughtful laid outness of it all even though the land has many wonderful unique things and some originals that are just plain better it is crowded and the castle is small things I just can't forgive I choose the world. It wins with the overall feel and immersion. I hope to see you soon, Disney World. Lisa.
0: Very cool. Thanks for sharing, Lisa. And it's kind of funny, like hearing her talk about Hollywood Studios being their favorite park, stuff like that. Like you kind of get the feel of what their family enjoys. And so everything she said after that, I'm like, yep, that makes sense. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, when your Hollywood Studios is your favorite park. You're doing it wrong. No, I just I just that thinking, is not you know, what I that said. Like you said, to each his own. And, that, and I haven't been to Disneyland in, what, 21 years, and I barely remember it. So I certainly need to go out there. And I'm sure that I will have a very unique love and appreciation for Disneyland, especially now.
0: We're going to finish up this week's episode with a new segment of ours called Behind the Magic. Behind the Magic. For this segment, we're going to focus on a specific part of Walt Disney World and give kind of the backstory or little details you might have missed. And, and our hope is that, you know, casual visitors at Disney World will learn to appreciate the smaller details and maybe even learn something along the way. So for this first segment of Behind the Magic, we are going to focus on Main Street, USA. And Matt, since this was your genius idea, I'm going to throw it over to you first and uh, see where you want to start with Main Street.
1: All right. In Walt Disney's own words, Main Street, USA is America at the turn of the century, the crossroads of an era, the gas lamps and the electric lamp, the horse-drawn car and auto car. Main Street is everyone's hometown, the heartline of America. And so, unfortunately, as uh, people often come into Walt Disney World and the Magic Kingdom, uh, Main Street is just the, the, the quick runway to get to the rides. You know, people zoom past it. Not taking in any of the theming, any of the music, any of the kinetic energy that makes Main Street so magical, and makes it the gateway to the Magic Kingdom that it that it's supposed to be. And there are some small differences between the Main Street out at Disneyland, which you all can talk more about than I can. But from what I understand, the Disneyland Main Street USA is a little more, is a little smaller, a little more quaint, um, more like a small Midwestern downtown. Whereas the Walt Disney World Main Street USA has more of a Atlantic Shore um, turn of the century park kind of feel to it with the with the popcorn lights and all that stuff. And and, and it's a little bit bigger, Uh, but I don't know anything about that. Y'all can talk about that. But uh, what we're going to talk about on this segment is just little small details and imaginary secrets that make uh, Main Street and any land that we talk about as magical as it is.
0: So what's one of your favorite details on Main Street USA in Disney World?
1: One of mine is if you go up to I don't know if it's still the jewelry shop or if it used to be the jewelry shop. But if you go, let's just say you're walking into the Magic Kingdom towards the castle about halfway down on the right side. There's a small little alleyway um, in which no one literally no one is ever in there. There are a few benches. Um, usually some pretty flowers hanging on, on the on the lamps like there are in, on the main uh, street. Um, but in this little alleyway, you can hear... Uh, when I heard somebody say this, I didn't... You know, it's one of those things you just don't believe because you never heard it. But you go back there, and it's like on the second story, the windows are open. And it's like in one of the things, there's a singing or a music studio, and someone's... Go having music lessons, like singing lessons. Mm-hmm. So they're singing their scales and singing through their things, and you can hear the teacher give some feedback and things like that. That's just one of those little touches that uh, I'd say 100% of people never, ever notice just because nobody ever goes down there. But that's one of my favorite things.
0: I think the sounds of Main Street in general are what make it such a wonderful, immersive place. And, like you said, like it, it's so minor that you you notice it but you don't notice you're noticing it because it's yeah. just it's just there it's just background noise and i'm thinking of like you hear the popcorn popping some you hear the horse hooves like mm-hmm. actual horse hooves but then i think like i want to say there are horse hooves in the background noise i may have made that up um but uh, you hear you know you hear people hub up like it, it feels like a busy main street because that's what it is and like you said so many people It's the pathway to somewhere else. Like, it's not a destination, it's the road to the real destination, but it's not. And and I think one thing that makes it so great is that instantly when you step into it, and I think this was the point, you're cut off from, like, the 21st century, technologically advanced, very, very busy world that's right outside the gates, and instantly you're transported and separated from all that and you're transported to this turn of the century place with the with the sounds and the mm-hmm. gas lamps and and all sorts of things that it, you can easily pass it by but you shouldn't because there's so much goodness to absorb while you're in there
1: well you're right and the portal to this whole thing is like you know you you see the train station you you probably will see the train passing by at sometime before you enter through the, the gates of the park and the, there's the, the steam blowing and you hear the train whistle and the magic Kingdom the music is playing and then you literally have to pass through that portal into Main Street because you go under that tunnel mm-hmm. that it's very, you know, separating and um, Disney's really good about these, uh, what we would call reveals that, you know, you go through that tunnel which everything is obviously, you're in a tunnel <laughs> and then you come out the other side and you're in, in a completely different place and you have that whole town square there, the Main Street music, which is kind like of like turn-of-the-century um, ragtime music from Up. And they have some Music Man and some Oklahoma and some My Fair Lady and some other things like that playing. And the like the horses are going, the pop popcorn's popping, and the flag is flying, the barbershop quartet's over there singing. And you're immediately, you know, where you're supposed to be in turn-of-the-century America.
0: And the marching band, don't forget the marching band, who comes down sometimes. Yeah. Especially in Disneyland, I think it plays a bigger role there. But gosh, what a great addition.
2: And what yeah, about well, the mayor of Main Street? Man, when is that man? He's gotta be 112. <laughs> he, <laughs> he is pretty old. old. And it's always the same guy too. It's yeah. not like different actors. Yeah, you're right. Well, the last time I was there,
1: I was in the Emporium buying something. And um, I think the mayor's wife, she came into, like just came into the store and was just like, you know, schmoozing around, talking to people. And the cast members were really good about it, too, the cashiers and stuff, if, if not to a corny level, but it was great for what it was. Like, oh, it's the mayor's wife. Look, it's the mayor's wife. And she's like, how are you doing, darling? And all these things to people. <laughs> and I uh, like she was obviously a street actor, just like part of the scene. And it just makes all of that come together.
0: Yeah. You know what job I think I would love on Main Street? And I may regret it once I, once I take the job, if I ever did, but... I would want to be the balloon salesman who stands out there with, you know, 30 balloons in the stands. Like, they always seem happy. They get the cool, dapper little hats, you know, that like mm-hmm. a, maybe a newsie would wear. But they're always happy and they're, they're, you know, waving at everybody who goes by and they're more than happy yep. to give a balloon to a child who wants one. And yeah. that, that's just yeah. another thing that, like, you could easily walk by him, but you would notice it if he wasn't there.
2: You would be yeah. happy too if you were selling sacks of air for twenty bucks each. <laughs>
0: That's true. I'm sure they <laughs> do not make commission on those things. I'd be
2: like suckers.
1: <laughs> I have uh, two details that I that I like, and uh, I had to have these pointed out to me, and so we're just doing the favor and pointing them out to you, the listener. And one of them is the street lamps, and and this is one of those things I didn't believe until I saw it. And truly, at the beginning of Main Street. Um, the street lamps are gas, or at least they're made to look like gas lamps with a little filament on the inside that looks like a piece of cloth or what have you. And then by the time you get to the end of Main Street, the main lamps... Now, we're not talking about the street lamps. We're talking about the lamps that are underneath the, the storefronts. Um, the lamps are electric. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a very subtle way of showing um, progress you know, over, over the, the, the turn of the century. Another thing is, I guess, what you would call a special effect, and that is the classic Disney... Uh, forced perspective, and if these measurements are correct, um, each of the buildings on Main Street look like they are three stories tall, and, and they're made to look like that. The bottom floor, however, the part you actually walk into at the Emporium or the confectionery what have you, is 10 feet tall. Second floor is nine feet-ish tall, and the last floor, the top floor, is eight feet. And that doesn't make a you know a huge difference, but it makes the buildings appear taller, and as you go down, obviously, to the end of Main Street, makes the castle look very much bigger than it actually is. The only building, if I'm correct, that's full scale, if I'm remembering this right, is the Town Square Exhibition Hall, which is now where you meet Mickey and Tinkerbell. And uh, that's, uh, I think, the primary reason they made it full scale is to house more, and it also hides the view of the Contemporary Resort from ah. from yeah Town Square. I see. Yeah. Because Main Street is not contemporary. No, it's
2: old. It was if you lived in 1901.
0: (laughs) Ooh, that's true. That's right. Someone pointed out recently that the time that has passed between when Main Street USA... Main Street USA is supposed to represent and then the time it was actually built, like, less time passed between those two periods of time than when Main Street was built and today. Does that make Mm. sense? So, like, if we built a Main Street today that was as far back as it was then it would be It'd like be the 60s 1960, yeah yeah, yeah. it would be a freaky place to be oh yeah i wouldn't <laughs> want it. it wouldn't be quite as magical but you talked <laughs> no. about the music a little bit but oh my gosh how great is that yeah. loop i listened to it all day today since i knew we'd be talking about this it's fantastic
1: it is i think I my think, favorite is like the you, music man segment
2: i think you should retract your statement about the 60s not being magical because uh, i think it all depends on your perspective
0: And what drugs you were taking.
2: I'm just saying, Puff the Magic Dragon, live by the sea. Mm, mm. (laughs) That's right.
0: Another detail that is kind of interesting and you may not notice are the hitching posts. Which obviously... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Not very good at saying that word. Uh, But obviously they don't really need them because they never hitch up the horses. But there are a few hitching uh, hitching posts around the town square there. And they have horse heads on them. Like that's what... The, the decoration Put your is. horse here. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, how would you know that's what it's for? <laughs> uh, yes. But anyway, I, that's a nice little touch that is totally unnecessary, but cool.
2: Yeah, and they're also the perfect height for dads with children on their shoulders who aren't paying attention as they walk by. <laughs> so uh, if you're looking for some cheap entertainment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things about Main Street is at night when all the little bulbs that define the roof lines turn on. and kind of gives an outline for the entire street Mm
2: -hmm. i mean
0: uh i can never get a good picture of them but it's it's all kinds of wonderful and it is kind of like you said like the atlantic city type boardwalk feel when those turn on
1: yeah um it talking about the passing of time from like gas to electric i mean uh, it really it works two ways like if you go you know right you go to tomorrowland so that you know the progress is pointing you towards tomorrowland if you turn left however something that you know i had never really taken in before before kind of thinking through through it is the crystal palace crystal palace kind of that carnegie era steel glass structure kind of building 1910s 1920s which was the height of like you know british exploration in the jungles and all that stuff um it it's a it's almost a very seamless segue into Adventureland, at least the Jungle Cruise Skipper Canteen side of things, hmm. because it's got that same kind of feel. And, and you notice that as soon as you turn the corner, you know, you can see the tropical foliage of Adventureland, but um, it, it it doesn't really occur to you until uh, you know how, how it fits in until you really think about the progress that's supposed to be insinuated there between the, the old uh, downtown Main Street and this nice steel glass building that's out in the jungle somewhere seamlessly kind of segueing into Adventureland. If I'm making that all up in my head, um, then that's fine, but I see it. I'm not
0: really seeing it, but I'm not gonna disagree with you per se. It's an interesting observation. Yeah. As far as Disneyland goes, I don't have a lot to say about it, but I do think it's interesting that we're talking about this now because just a few days ago, Disneyland's official Twitter tweeted uh, a quote fun fact about Main Street USA, which I wish they did more often, to be completely honest, because usually they say, who's going to Adventureland today? And then they'll post a nice picture of Adventureland. But in this case, they said it was one of those, like, did you know type things. Mm -hmm. And they pointed to Refreshment Corner, which is sponsored by Coca-Cola, kind of like Casey's Corner in Disney World. And they showed this circle of lights that are on the ceiling in the circular room. And they alternate white, red, white, red, white, red. Well, apparently there was an odd number of them, and so, one of the light bulbs, in I guess it's more like a hexagon in sort of a corner, is half white and half red to keep mm. the alternating pattern going. I thought that was super interesting because I I never noticed that. That's great. So look for that, all you Disneyland uh, goers.
2: My favorite thing on Main Street is the windows, and um,
1: they are pretty windows.
2: Yes, they're wonderful. <laughs> and uh, as you know, I'm a history nerd in general. I'm just a nerd, but, anyways, uh, there's a wonderful book that was produced, and I looked up the date. It was published in 2009, so it's not necessarily new, but certainly still relevant. <clears throat> and I bought it at uh, the Magic Kingdom, and it was put out by Disney Editions and D23. And it's only like, I'd say, maybe 20. 2025 20, pages. It's not a big book at all. But it's called Windows on Main Street Discover the Real Stories of the Talented People Featured on the Windows of Main Street USA. And it's by Chuck Schneider. And it's only retailed for $7, which I thought was really cheap for Disney. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, basically what it is is it's the Windows featured on Main Street in the Magic Kingdom and in Disneyland. And uh, there's an introduction and a little foreword by Marty Sklar. And uh, it shows a picture. I'm gonna show you guys. It shows a picture of the window, and then um, it tells you where the window's at, is, and it gives a little biography, just maybe a paragraph or two, about that person and their contributions to the Walt Disney Company. So you have everybody from like Tony Bla- Tony Baxter, Mary Blair, Tony um, Blair, <laughs> <laughs> Tony Blair, <laughs> Mark Davis, um, Roy O'Disney. Disney. I mean, like you know, Yale Gracie. All these maybe names that you're familiar with, but you perhaps don't know their whole story or you don't really know how they fit into the Walt Disney company because it's not accidental that those names are on the windows as uh, true Disney fans would know. They have contributed in some aspect to the company in a major way. And then this is the coolest part. If you really wanted to know every name that is on every window, they have a little diagram in the back of this book and they're all numbered and it, then the next page shows you oh the names. Oh my
0: word, I had no idea there were that many designated windows.
2: Yeah, there's tons. Let me see. That it looks, looks like, like 50. Um, at Disneyland, it says there's 63. Wow. And um, at Walt Disney World, it looks to be about the same. Wow. So there's lots of names, like I said, that and not every name is is given in the book, obviously, with a little biography. I think maybe there's just 30 or so in the actual Mm. book but um but the rest of them are cataloged there so this is something that like i said i really enjoyed and uh it's a good thing to have in your disney library
1: and that's worth it to uh, all people who claim to be disney fans disney world fans to invest to take time to learn about the people that made it uh possible and one of my favorite scenes in saving mr bank's you know who knows if this happened or not probably not because it's a movie and it was dramatized and melodramatic but it's when um, you know P.L. Travers showed up and she thinks that um, Walt's just a kind of a money hungry you know uh, showman that degrades things and panders to people and he's taking her through the park in which she's you know reluctantly agreed to go to Disneyland with him for a day and they're walking down Main Street USA and she notices him look up at Elias's window on the the second story, Main Street. She notices him look up there and kind of pause. And it's just a little, there's nothing said. It's just all in their faces. Like She sees that happen and thinks, huh, maybe he's not a shuckster after all.
2: (laughs) Of course, Elias Bean. Yeah, his dad. dad,
0: Right. Mm. That was not dramatized that 100% happened, as did the rest of that movie. Yes. So...
1: Well
2: Naturally. that movie was i mean that movie was fairly accurate. There yeah. was some dramatized things, obviously, but yeah. for instance p l Travers did openly weep at the opening of Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. But it was not because she was emotionally touched by the film. (laughs) Oh, she was touched, all right. (laughs) she was touched. She was like, what (laughs) in the world? (laughs) She still hated that movie well after it was over. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't have made a fun ending. We wouldn't have felt good at the end of that film. Exactly.
0: Mm -hmm. We would have been like, you're right, Mary Poppins sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, those are some of our favorite details about Main Street USA.
2: What was the Indian? Somebody talk about the Indian because I wanted to know about the Indian. Oh,
1: there was there. They're a pair Uh, that I I don't know if they're like authentic or not, but there's one there on Main Street, which I'm surprised it's still there. You know what with PC stuff and all, but that used what that used to like mark the tobacco store, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
1: This is a tobacco store that had the Indian chief outside. Uh, There's one there and the other is in Frontierland.
2: I I think however they
1: came across them, they came together, but they're, yeah, they they came came as a pair. Very interesting. Yeah.
0: Well, those are some of the things we love about Main Street, and I'm sure we're leaving out a billion things. But if you're interested, you should go research and find out some new things and maybe even let us know. Uh, But that does it for this crazy, random, hopefully fun show. Thank you so much for listening. You can always find us online on Twitter at MadChatters, on Instagram at MadChatters, on Facebook. You can send your emails to comments at madchatters.net and we will see you next
2: week. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Dios le bendiga.
1: And don't you dare touch school bread. Hmm. It's, going, it's going to be renamed some Olaf something. Oh, it is. loaf. It's going to be the loaf. I'm going to submit a food item that's much like the Hatbox Ghost. It will go down in Disney lore. Hmm. And that is the Chipotle Ranch at the Pecos Bill Tall Tale Inn Cafe. It was there for maybe, <laughs> it had to be it had to be less than a month. We ate there one day. We had the fajitas. You know, after the, this is recent. This is after the menu change. My wife and I had the fajitas. We both, ooh, like, ooh, this Chipotle ranch is good. It's on the bar. It's, ooh, it's good. And we come back a couple weeks ago. We get the chicken tenders and the fries outside of the Golden Oak Outpost. I'm like, ooh, I remember they have that Chipotle ranch just inside the doors here at Pecos Bill. Nope, just green and red salsa. You are the reason they
0: took it off, because a bunch of other people did exactly what I, you did. I
1: bet they did, but still, I mean, I, I'm still, all the money's going to the same place.
0: Yeah, no, it wasn't there when I ate at Pecos Bill. That's sad. It's
1: not like I brought in my ham sandwich and was trying to put the Chipotle Ranch on it. And I bought Disney food. Right. That was disappointing, though. Yeah. Now, it'll never be, like, proven whether it was really there or not, ever.
0: But in 2030, they'll release a blog that says, it was there, and it's coming back.
1: Yeah. Chipotle Ranch.
2: Yeah, there's no reason why Chewbacca and, you know, Darth Vader and Kylo Ren aren't out there, you know? It's yeah. Star Wars. What
0: exactly. about that? Exactly. R2D2. Hold on just a second. My computer's about to die.
2: Okay. Jar Jar Binks. Admiral Akbar. C3PO. Princess Leia, Jabba the Hutt.
0: Are you talking? I can't hear you.
2: I'm just naming lots of Star Wars characters. <laughs> you still can't hear me. I don't know why I just said that.
1: <laughs> what? What?